It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Go Birds Podcast. Eagles on the season are decent on fourth down. Hurts back again. He's floating it for Devontae Smith, who makes the catch. The Giants miss, and he walks into the end zone. The Giants gambled, and Hurts went 41 yards for the touchdown beating Darnay Holmes, oh my who came goodness. up, flat out missed him, and trotting into the end zone was Devontae Smith. Oh, boy, did he trot into the end zone. Welcome back to Sports Radio 94 WIP. We are at Chickies and Pizza in South Philly. It's still the day after game. It is the Players' Lounge. I'm your host, Ike Reese. My co-host is in the building. The beat writer that you need, he was up there at the in the Meadowlands yesterday. Elliot Shore Parks is in the house. What up? How you doing, What's man? What's up, ESP? What's up, man? Man, let me tell you, the MetLife Stadium, not a great place to visit. <laughs> I mean, the Eagles like going there. Boston Scott likes going there. But Boston a, Scott definitely yeah, likes he, he going there. He loves playing yeah. at that stadium. Uh, yeah. But other than that, you know, a nice uh, professional win by the Eagles yesterday, I thought. Well, I got to tell you, ESP, and, and, and by the way, um, James Bradbury was not feeling well tonight, so he called out. Uh, he wanted to make sure he protected everybody down here, so he may have a little something going on that he didn't want to uh, contaminate anybody else. So What a guy. Yeah, so he's out for the show tonight, Elliot. He's sitting in for the full hour. I'm sitting in for the full hour. And listen, when you're talking about a 12-1 and football team, by the way, yes. clinched the spot for the playoffs, so they're in. That's one feather in the cap already. They they are in the playoffs. They clinched the playoff spot yesterday. So great job by Nick Sirianni, his staff, two years in a row in the playoffs. We'll know what it feels like to have postseason football around here again. But I got to be honest with you, Elliot. I'm thinking about that game yesterday, and I, I, as I recall going through the game and watching it, I, it's almost embarrassing, or at least I felt embarrassed, that I didn't have the level of concern about the game that I thought I would have. Mm-hmm. Like that game, quite frankly, the Eagles seemingly had that game in hand. Their first drive, eight minutes, 14 plays, I mean, just methodically 
moving the ball down the field, ending in a touchdown. That's the way you want to start the game on the road. And yep. from that point, I mean, it was really the Giants were in the rearview mirror. And I'm not sure that game couldn't end fast enough for the New York Giants. I'm looking at the New York Giants yesterday. I'm like, okay, what, what is the game plan here? Like literally, try to what, get that game over with and get yeah, out. I felt that, like that was that, their game plan. That's what yeah. it seemed like. Yeah. I'm like, what is the game plan? Like, you don't want Daniel Jones to throw the ball. Saquon Barkley somehow. Hold up. First of all, this team is in a. That was a playoff game yesterday for them. Yeah, they needed that one bad yesterday. Can you explain to me how in the hell did Saquon Barkley injure his neck in practice? Why is he even being touched? It's the only offensive player they have. What type of coach allows Saquon Barkley to get touched and practice to where he injures yeah. his neck? Well, just another day like, I'm thankful. Just another day I'm thankful the Eagles barely practice in training camp. You know what I mean? Like you got to you got to protect the guys. You got to keep them healthy. Maybe maybe up at the New York they can learn something thing or two about that. Well, listen, we get that injury report every week and it seems like nobody practices. Yeah, no one practices. <laughs> rest, 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 yeah. rest. Yeah. So at Wednesday's least, a good day at the NovaCare. Yeah. Well, at least Nick Sirianni is smart enough to get his players till Sunday like on game yes, day. Yeah. What the hell is Brian Dable thinking? I don't understand how Saquon Barkley could have injured his neck in practice, man. Like, what is he doing to injure his neck? Yeah, especially when they got nobody at receiver, nobody <laughs> at quarterback, nobody at tight end. I mean, that was really, the to me, there was a ton of takeaways from the game, obviously. Yeah. But the talent discrepancy between those two teams was just eye-opening, right? You look at what the Eagles have at receiver, what they have at cornerback. I mean, the best player on the Giants was playing for the Eagles yesterday and James Bradbury, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. the, the talent on the Giants, that they had nothing to work with. And when you look at the win yesterday, I think there's a bunch of words you could use to describe it. Dominating, impressive, you know, all those things. I think professional is the that's, word, see, that's the, the word for me. Yeah. I was going to say business-like. They just went up there yeah. and completely handled business. And I think it started with Jalen because the way he played quarterback yesterday. Everything starts with Jalen. Everything starts with Jalen. But the way he played quarterback yesterday to me was the most professional I've seen him look at the quarterback position. He was absolutely surgical back there. He just sat back there real calm, picked him apart. Eight receivers in the first quarter, three straight touchdown drives. And then when he had to, he ran. I thought yesterday he looked like what every team wants at the quarterback in today's NFL. He can beat you from the pocket. He can run when he has to. But he also takes care of the ball. And there's been so many times over the last year, the last season and this year, when we've gone into a game and said, all right, I know the Eagles are better than this team, but, you know, they, anything could happen. Divisional game, this, that, whatever. The Eagles don't, leave, don't lose to teams they're supposed to beat because Jalen never makes the mistake to let the team back in the game. Even yesterday, and Patrick Mahomes is a great player. Patrick Mahomes had three interceptions yesterday to let one of the worst teams in the league in Denver back into that game. You never see Jalen do that, almost ever. And so professional to me yesterday was just how he picked apart this Giants team and just took care of business. All right, let's talk about that. Let's do it. Because you're feeling a little chesty right now. I, 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 always, can, I can hear it. I can always. hear it in your voice. Always, You're feeling yeah. a little chesty. By the way, we don't normally take phone calls on the Players' Lounge, but Elliot and I decided we're going to take phone calls tonight, 215-592-9494. You got something you want to talk about? We'll take phone calls yeah. tonight. We're on the air for an hour before Monday Night Football uh, comes on. So if you need to get in, you didn't get, you didn't get a chance to get in on one of the earlier shows, we're here tonight for you. We don't have a player in the Players' Lounge. It's just Elliot and myself. We're down here at Chickies and Pete's uh, in South Philly. So 215-592-9494 if you do want to get in. Now, you brought up 
how Pat Mahomes looked yesterday in Kansas City. And this is what I was trying to explain to you about this football team. And by the way, Jalen, I mean, he threw for 217 yards. He gets credit for 184 because they take yards off you when you get sacked right. or what have you. But he basically threw a little over 200 yards. And you talked about it being his most complete game, and he looked flawless. You see how he doesn't necessarily have to put up 300-yard passing games in order for you to feel good about the team? You see that? No, that, well, that, that, right. no, whoa, 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 whoa. All right. All right. All that was a rhetorical question. Okay. I didn't really right. want you to give me an answer. Yes, I'm on a soapbox right now. Go for it. So what I was trying to explain to you is that he can throw for 200 yards and rush for 77 yards. He didn't even have a total of 300 yards, and it felt like it was the best game he played all year because you don't define his game by numbers. You don't define his game by stats. You define, you define his game by his play out there on the field and how this team responds to his play. I say that to say, you brought up Pat Mahomes. They had an early lead. But you know what Kansas City can't do that the Eagles do well? Run the damn ball. Yep. So they got out to that lead, and they had to keep throwing the ball because that's the best way they can move the ball. And what happens is, even with a big lead, Pat Mahomes is throwing the ball, which led to interceptions, which allowed Denver to get back in the game. The Eagles got a 21-0 lead, and they started running the football. And the Giants never had a chance to get back in that game. That's why Jalen doesn't throw meaningless interceptions, careless interceptions, because he's not out there being overexposed. This is an offense that can beat you through the air or on the ground. However you want it, they can give it to you. And yesterday they came out early, threw the ball, scared the Giants out of blitzing. They got a 21-0 lead, 24-7 lead. In the second half, it was about running the football in the second half. That's why this team is dangerous, Elliot. Yeah, and look, look at uh, yesterday. They were up, I believe, 24 to maybe 7 and 7, half I think time. it was, yeah. And they, they won the second half as well, right? So, they, you know, remember all the weeks we spent talking about, mm -hmm. well, they can't score in the second half. They're not putting teams away. In the first six games, they average about, I think, six points per game in the second half. They're up to almost 18 points a game in the second half since that bye week, right? So they have learned and been better at putting teams away. And that's think, coaching. That's coaching, yeah. See, that seems to me. The players have been the same, but there's something that went on earlier in the season that the coaches weren't necessarily coaching the second half with the same aggressive mentality. I think they were taking their foot off the pedal for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is not a coaching staff. You look at last year, even yeah. when the games they won, they did not have big leads, lots of comebacks, and they didn't really trust their offense to score a ton. So they never felt like they could just take the foot off the pedal. So, so I think that was part of it. Yeah. But you mentioned the, the coaching, and I have another Jalen point I, I want to make sure I get back to, but the coaching – they're so good at correcting problems, right? We sat up here last week in Players' Lounge and talked about what they have, 12 penalties against yes. the Titans? How many yesterday? Eight of which were pre-snap. They had two penalties yesterday, none pre-snap, and one of the penalties was when the game was basically over at that yeah. point. So you want to talk about visible evidence of correcting a problem. This coaching staff, and I give the players credit for this as well, but this coaching staff is so good at looking and saying, all right, we're struggling at this. This is how we're going to fix it. Think about the running defense, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we had Hassan Reddick up here after they lost to Washington. And the, the, the theme that week, what we talked about was this run defense is a problem. This could keep them from winning the Super Bowl. Since then, they shut down uh, Jonathan Taylor, Aaron Jones, uh, Derrick Henry, and then yesterday, Saquon Barkley. Mm. So when this team has something where we all think it's a weakness, they're so good at correcting it so quickly. And I think it's such a, good, it's such a sign of a, a, 
a coaching staff that knows how to get through to the players and players that trust the coaching staff, players that listen and say, okay, this is how we're going to correct the problem. You're telling me this is how we're going to do it. Gannon, you think that's the solution? Okay, this is how we'll do it, right? The secondary coach, this yeah. is how we'll do it. They're willing to trust the coaches, and the coaches have the right solution, and that's been really impressive so far this season. And, and, and you know what? This is the players' lounge, and – Listen, we focus a lot on the players, and, and that's what we're always going to do first and foremost, and rightfully so. They are the ones who actually make the X's and the O's come to life. They make those plays actually work by executing. But when we're talking about the coaching, I think sometimes we, we gloss over it or we mention it in passing without really giving them their just due. When something goes wrong, we don't necessarily say, oh, that was a tough game there, or that wasn't really a good job. No, we call for people's jobs. Yeah, like, that's Gannon and Michael job. Clay, yeah. what it's like in the city when, uh, when their <laughs> like, units struggle. It's unbelievable the reaction we get to these coaches for a team that's 11-1, 10-1. We literally want to fire guys. Yeah. Fire Jonathan Gannon. Fire Michael Clay. And I say that to say, let's get these coaches – some credit for doing exactly what you said is making adjustments, mm -hmm. making adjustments. They may not do them when we feel they should do them at that moment, but they recognize some of these things as well. And they made the adjustments and those units are playing better. The one thing that I'll say that you can already tell a difference and, 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 and jump in here on this, Elliot, because you yep. covered this team. One of the criticisms that I had for Doug and his coaching staff, how many of those young players actually developed under those coaches? Yeah. Like who was better from year one to year two to year three to year four, where you saw guys literally get better? Under and, Doug, I can't think of any. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. what young player can we think of that, that you saw a jump? Other than Wentz from his second year, I mean his first his year first to, to his second year. year yeah. But when you look at just the short time that this coaching staff has been here, look at the young players that they've coached from where they were last year to where they are now. Right? Like, mm -hmm. now the players obviously get the bulk of the credit because they have to put the work in. But there's something to the culture that's there that allows these young players to continue to get better as players. And this coaching staff is developing, guys. We give Jeff Stoutland is probably the only coach who gets his, his just due. He gets plenty of credit, he which he deserves. Credit, which he is, certainly, is, yeah. is certainly deserved. Josh Sweat is better in the two years that he's been here. Yep. Uh, look at T.J. Edwards in the last two years. Quez Watkins. Look at Quez Watkins in the two Marcus years. Marcus Epps. Marcus Epps in the two years. Right? You look at some Mal Sanders this year. Like, you look at some of these guys – and you're saying, okay, now we're seeing what the potential was with these guys. Yeah. And the young receivers is like, that's something that never happened around here. It's young receivers developing. No. Never. I mean, for years they drafted guys, and what they have, I think Doug had five different receiver coaches in five years yeah. or something like that. I mean, they were constantly sh shuffling through that position. But, but I think part of the reason they're so good at developing guys and part of the reason the, the, the staff has been so good is – they truly believe in what they believe in. I mean, you talk about the criticism that they undertake. Mm -hmm. Think about what Gannon hears on a weekly basis. Right? Oh, blitz, 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 more, blitz. Play, you know, play tougher coverage at the line, right? You're not being aggressive enough, blah, blah, blah. All he does is just continue to do what he believes is right, is right for the team, and the results speak for themselves. Nick Sirianni, 
Last year, his introductory press conference, he was mocked personally, I might mm -hmm. add, like personally mocked yeah, by yeah. everyone, all the sports fans across the country for that. Yep. It would have been so easy for him to maybe back off a little bit, say, you know what, maybe my personality is not, is not going to work. Look at the way they're making fun of me. The dog culture thing, the flower reference, right, the T-shirts, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. He got mocked for that when they were losing. And now he's become one of the best coaches in the NFL over the last year, record-wise. And it's because this coaching staff sticks to what they believe in, and they Look don't. What Shane Steichen is doing with this offense with Jalen. Yeah, Nick Sirianni gave up play calling. Right. How many head? I mean, you want to talk about Doug and his staff? One of the main reasons I thought there was a downfall there with that staff is Doug was unwilling, in a lot of ways, to to take help from outside. He trusted his guys, right? Yeah. Press Taylor. He wouldn't give up play calling, which impacted the new minds that they could bring in to help the offense. And you know, Nick is very involved in the offense, so I'm not going to say that it was a completely selfless. He's certainly act. involved. Yeah. Yeah, but but he gave up play calling, which yep. is like. A, a biggest feather in the cap you can get as a head coach outside of maybe winning the Super Bowl. Every head coach, offensive especially, wants to be the play caller. And he said this past offseason, he thinks it'll make the team better if he gives it up. And he was right, because if you look at what he can do during, during the game, he's talking to special teams, right? Mm -hmm. He's more in touch with Gannon. I, I think it was, again, the lack of ego on this coaching staff yeah. is impressive. Now, they haven't won anything yet. Doug won a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. So, so we'll see after they win if it stays the same. But just being down there every day around these guys the last year and a half, I'm blown away at how well they get along and just the yeah. lack of ego from this staff. Yeah, that, that really was my only real criticism of – uh, Doug's um, coaching and, and his coaching staff. They obviously won the Super Bowl, but even after that, you know, their Super Bowl team was comprised of a bunch of free agents as well. Yeah. Certainly they had the quarterback who was drafted here, but it was also a lot of free agents that they brought in that contributed to that Super Bowl. You know, you look at this team, and then after that, those young players didn't develop under that coaching staff and under Doug's tutelage and under Doug's mentorship. They didn't develop to reach their potential. I'm just looking at this team with this culture and the development of these younger players and how they look like pieces that could be here for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I mean, we had players under Doug's tenure that we didn't want here. Like, like literally, like, oh, you got to get him out of here. Rager. You got to get him yeah. out of here. You got to get JJ. This. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it was like literally guys that we drafted that we recognized within a year's time that, oh, this dude can't play. Well, and, and, this dude can't play. And, and to, to your point, you know, Howie catches a lot of heat for the draft record. And rightfully so. He's a GM. He makes the pick. He deserves the praise and the criticism. But once Howie drafts the player, he hands them over to the yes, coaching staff. Yes, they got staff, to be right? developed. They're the man. ones that have yes. to develop them. They're yes. the ones that have to use them the right way. Yep. So, again, Howie deserves the blame. But I don't think it's a coincidence that Howie's draft record is starting to look a lot better with this coaching staff, which, by the way, this doesn't get discussed a lot with Sirianni. His background is in football, obviously, but it's also in teaching. Right. His family teaches. Oh, he, yeah, we know that. that yeah. Right. So I think that's an important aspect, too, that he 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 knows how to get through to guys. He knows, you know, teaching methods, for lack of a better term. And so guys can develop better. The, the rookies that come in that may be under Doug and I don't want to rip too, Doug too much. He didn't oh. win, win a Super Bowl. But mm -hmm. under Doug, guys didn't develop. And under uh, under Nick, they are. And all of a sudden, how he's a. Uh, draft record looks a little better yeah that stuff matters man let's get to the phones real quick two one five five nine two nine four nine four uh ashley in Mount Airy thinks that we haven't really played anybody yet so <laughs> okay can't wait to hear whoa, this whoa, what's whoa, up whoa. ashley man ashley getting booed whoa, here chickies and that, that is that is not what i said <laughs> <laughs> man says we ain't beat nobody yet so like okay first 
first, 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 I want to say it's been a while since I talked to you. It's, it's been a minute, and uh-huh. reason being because I've just been waiting for this. Okay. Um, waiting reason, for them to be 12 and 1? <laughs> no, I've been waiting for Jalen to progress. Okay. And, and I was one of those people, just like your homie, like uh, Dottie Marsh, that said, mm-hmm. I just want to see if he progresses. And if he doesn't, you got to get somebody else. Thank God that it was, you know, the latter. He's progressing. Yeah. Now, let me address what I meant when I talked to uh, your producer. Hey, remember, we ain't beat nobody. We can't say that we 12 and 1. Remember, we ain't beat nobody. So you, you can't tell everybody else that we 12 and 1. Oh, um, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Sarcasm. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I got you now. Exactly. Because so many people want to bring that up every time. They brought it up when we won, when we won the Super Bowl. All I remember, that year we won the Super Bowl, playoffs in particularly, we beat Atlanta, which was the number one offense that year. Then the Vikings came here, and they were the number one defense, and we trashed both of them. And then if you want to exclude both of that, who do we beat in the Super Bowl? Oh, we beat the GOAT, bro. The dynasty. We beat we, the GOAT. We, yeah. we beat – we beat Belichick and Tom Brady. You ain't yeah. even got to two goats. <laughs> yeah, two Belichick goats. and Tom yeah. Brady. Yeah. Yeah. The argument, whenever I hear that year, we ain't beat nobody. This year, look, I'm not saying nothing about Super Bowl playoffs. I'm going to just let it play out. No, nah, we ain't doing like, that no more, Ashley. <laughs> we ain't doing that no more. No, no, no. Right now. Because, see, here's the thing. Before we go to break, we as fans – this is our squad. So the celebration is about us. We don't actually get rings. We don't, you know, we like we don't get a paycheck. Like we don't get any of that. Get a big parade. So, though. so our enjoyment is watching this team dominate and getting a chance to stick our chest out. The idea that I need to be reserved in my excitement and fear of something bad is gonna happen. That went out the window in 2018 when we won the Super Bowl. Yep. February 4th, 2018, I realized good things do happen for this franchise. We won our first ever Super Bowl, and we got number two coming up. We don't have to be afraid to talk about it. We don't have to be afraid to talk about it. We're going to enjoy this. What are we going to do? Wait till February and then, oh, and the team loses. So we, yeah, don't, we, don't, don't take it for granted. Exactly. You know, this, the seasons like this don't come they around don't come all around. the time. Exactly. 2017, right? Oh, yes. wait, seasons like that happen. We yes. just saw one with the Phillies. But right. this type of Eagles football, as good as they are and as great of a franchise they are, you don't see this very often from any team in the league. So I think fans should absolutely don't take the beating that they gave the Giants for granted yesterday. That doesn't no. happen all the time. And it's holiday season. Are you kidding me? Exactly. We're stuffing our stockings with all type of Eagle stuff, man. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Elliot Shore Parks, Ike Reese, we're down here at Chickies and Pizza in South Philly. It's the Players' Lounge right here on 94 WIP. Welcome back, Sports Radio 94 WIP. It is the Chickies and Pete's Players Lounge. We're at Chickies and Pete's in South Philly, the number one sports bar in North America. Come on, man. I mean, seriously, how many damn Chickies and Pete's are there around this country? Well, in February in Arizona, there'll probably be about five <laughs> or six of those bad boys pop up, little pop up uh, crab fry shops. Hey, listen, you got to love Pete the Crab, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> This, 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 this guy, he's a, le- he's a legend in Philly. Man. Uh, he is a legend, man. And, and comes down to training camp, everyone's trying to meet him. I see him walking I, around the I, sidelines. I love the fact that listen, he's expanding the brand. It's all across the country, and because it was originated 
here in Philadelphia, he's like putting a piece of Philadelphia across yep. the country everywhere. 100%. That's, and, and that's that's the beautiful thing about Chickies and Pete's being everywhere, man. Vegas, Cali, it's going to be all over the place, man. Florida. Yeah, and again. It's in every airport. Las Vegas, Arizona. Yeah, it'll be, uh, <laughs> yes. it'll be everywhere for sure. All right, so, yeah, I've, I've, I've I fulfill my quota. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, yeah I got it. Okay. I, I, I got a question for you. Yes. So, so the last caller brought this up. I know it was sarcastically. Yeah. And I, I don't subscribe to the Eagles haven't played anybody thing because it's mm-hmm. it's not true. I mean, they they played and beat the Vikings. They played and beat the Titans. They played and beat the Cowboys. But when you think about the games this team will be playing come playoff time, the championship game, the Super Bowl. When then you look at teams like the Chiefs, the Bills, the Niners, not yeah. the Cowboys because they haven't played in a ton of big playoff games, but they do have more playoff experience in this sure. team. Mm-hmm. Do you think this team is ready for those stages? Because those are big boy stages. Those are games this coaching staff hasn't been in. Yeah. The quarterback has been in college for what right. it's worth. He actually has played in some pretty big sure. games. Yep. And then, you know, and Kelsey. That matters. And that matters. that matters. And, you know, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. So they do have some of those guys. But the one thing I always think about with this team is, because they do have the best resume of any team in the league this year, in the big boy games, like against Buffalo, against Kansas City, are they ready for that? And that's what I I can never come to a a concrete decision on that. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think when you look at from a personnel standpoint, they got everything they need. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's why I, I feel confident as I do until they give me a reason not to feel confident. Right until they show me there is a terrible game um, in them, and they won't show up when it's when it matters the most. I haven't seen that yet, so I would have to actually see that to buy in that. So right now, just look at what they have on paper, their areas of strengths versus what may be perceived as an area of weakness, which there aren't very many. If there, any. There's none. Yeah. Yeah, if any at all. So when I look at those teams, I say. I'll start with the defense because the reason those teams get the respect that they get, and rightfully so, and I throw Cincinnati in there as yeah, well. C- yep, good, you know, great they, one. They, they, they're the team that was in the Super Bowl. Well, I was say they now have Super Bowl experience. Yes. They went into Kansas City and won. They went into Tennessee and won. And that yeah. quarterback has played in big games from college. He has, you know? yeah. And so I look at those three teams and I say they're known for their offense. So I countered that by saying, do I have a defense good enough? Mm -hmm. Because that's really what you're thinking about. Do you have to win a shootout or do you have the players on defense that can slow down Joe Burrow, uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes? And that's where I feel confident because I look at our defense. We got the best pair of corners in all of football. Yep. And James Bradbury and Darius Slate. You throw Avante Maddox in there as the nickel corner. He's arguably the best nickel corner in football. Yeah, they got the best trio in the NFL. When you get C.J. Gardner-Johnson back, he's leading the league in interceptions. You throw him with Marcus Epps, who's the underrated player of the entire secondary. Yep. I feel good about that defense, man. Well, and the pass rush has the most sacks in the NFL. I hadn't NFL. even got to the pass yeah. rush and yet. The other thing about the pass rush is <laughs> they're, they're, literally, they're literally leading the league in sacks right now. You look at some of the other great pass rushers or pass rushes around the league, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Nick Bosa. The guys, a lot of pass Buffalo rushes, lost Von Miller. Buffalo lost Von Miller. But a lot of the best pass rushing teams around the league are built around a premier edge rusher. Now, Hassan Reddick is a premier edge rusher, but I don't think, and unfairly, he doesn't get ranked with those guys. What the Eagles have is they might have four players that have double-digit sacks this year, right? Yeah. Their first-round pick, Jordan Davis, who we can debate how he's played this year, he's their fifth defensive tackle. 
Hargrave, Sue, Linval Joseph, Fletcher Cox, the depth that they have along their line, I think that really helps because when you look at some of these great pass rushes, and the Eagles, the coaching staff kind of, you know, thinks about this when they go against teams. When you have a great, like, two or three defensive linemen, teams just run hurry up and get those guys off the field and tire them out. And then by the second half, it's backups in there on big downs. It's backups in there on first and second down. That's really hard to do against this Eagles against this Eagles defensive line because they shuffle guys in and out. Again, Brandon Graham might be having the best season of his career, and he's their third defensive end, or you know, or fourth defensive end, depending how you want to do it. So yeah. the depth on this line, I think, is what makes the difference. But then also when you talk about comparing them to Kansas City, yeah, then hold on, throw, 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 don't forget about my LBs. Throw my okay, athletic, there you go. Throw yeah. my athletic linebackers in there too. TJ Edwards, TJ Edwards, come on, man. Yeah. T.J. Edwards might be the number one priority at free agent. And, you know, you take everything into consideration. His age, I mean, and I don't think it's a coincidence that in the games where this defense looks great, T.J. Edwards looks great. Yep. Like the games where they really play well, you see T.J. Edwards making tackles for losses. You see him getting out to the flat and, you know, stopping catches that could go for long gains into just short ones. When he's playing really well, it, put, it puts the whole defense together because there's nowhere to attack because the defensive line is really good. We just talked about the secondary. When the linebackers control that middle of the field, the backside of the backfield, tight ends, good luck. I mean, there's yeah. just nothing to do against this defense. I'm telling you, that's – I. I the offense is fine and dandy, and Jalen's the MVP. I'm not sliding the offense, but when I look at winning the Super Bowl, the reason why I feel as confident as I do, because I know I have to either beat Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, or Joe Burrow. I got the defense to do it. Well, you've said that's why I feel good. You've said something all season, and I think I've, you're the only person I've heard say this, and I think it's so true. They are, in a lot of ways, a defensive team. Like, their offense is great, that, you know, everything, and I, I trust the offense. But I think, like, the, the backbone of the team, the unit that dominates week in, week out on every level, it really is the defense, and especially with the turnovers, and it's a huge thing going into the playoffs. It really is. Let's get to the phones, man. We got some folks that want to chime in here. Let's get Dave up in Marlton. What's up, Dave? Welcome to the Players' Lounge, brother. What's going on, Ike? What's up, Dave? I got a bad connection. Do you hear it? We got you. Yeah, we got you. All right, good deal. You know what? You made so much sense with teaching younger players. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah. as a coach, you need to bring these players up. Don't turn your back on a young man. A young man needs to be tutelaged. You know what yeah. I mean? To make him better. Yeah. Well, and, and I think too, when Sirianni talks so much about how his parents or his dad mm-hmm. is a is a is a uh, football coach. I think it's actually a benefit in a ways that his his uh, tutelage comes from guys that coach at the high school level. Yeah, like it's exactly. not guys that were in the NFL. His dad, his brother, those guys, they had to coach the players that they had in high school, right? You can't I mean you're not supposed to, but you can't recruit in high school. You have to coach the guys you have. You have to build around the skill sets that you have. And I think it's really key that uh, Sirianni comes from that background as opposed to a background of someone who coached in the NFL for like mm-hmm. 30 years cuz it's a yeah, different or- kind of coaching. Or a college coach that's got this plethora of players that, like, if you don't, if you don't fit, you're not going to make it, kid. Yep. Yeah. 100%. You know. No, nah, listen, and 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 in college, they usually have other four or five star recruits behind you that yep. they'll move on from you. And the NFL's a little different. Sometimes your draft status gets in the way, your contract gets in the way, so you can't just move on from a player. You're constantly trying to develop them. 
But then there's those relationships between young player and whomever his position coach is. They have to be able to be relatable to one another. And that player has to be willing to embrace the coaching. And the coach has to have the answers to the test for the players because today's players feel like they have ownership of themselves. Yeah. And so when they want to have input on what they feel like can make them better or that will help them, you would better be able to assist them in that as opposed to trying to tell them what to do. Well, think about how many, how many players on this offense are trying to get their first big deal. Right. Jalen, Devontae, Dallas got his last year. So when Nick came here, yes. you know, that, that was part of it. Mm-hmm. Miles Sanders looking for his first big deal. You know, Kenny Gainwell eventually. I know it's a different type of contract. Quez, those type of guys. Yep. So as much as you can like a head coach personally, you can trust them, all those things. Bottom line is this is the player's livelihood. They have to, yes. they have to trust like Jalen, Devontae, those guys. They have to go to work every day and say, this is a head coach that is going to get me my contract. I trust the advice he gives me will make me a better player, which will turn into a bigger contract. So that's a key part of it as well. It's easy to trust and like a head coach and wear the shirt and the dog mentality, whatever. These guys think Nick Sirianni is going to make them some money, and that is key in getting the trust of those players. And that's that, that's that relationship I'm talking about. It's, it, it works both ways. Yes. It, it, it really does. Elliot Short Parks, Ike Reese, we're at Chickies and Pizza in South Philly. It is the Players' Lounge. We'll come back on the other side. We'll take a spin around the NFL uh, to see what some of the uh, other NFC teams did yesterday. Talk a little bit about Chicago Bears coming up yeah. next. Take your phone calls as well to get you in before we t- turn it over to Monday Night Football right here on 94 WIP. Welcome back, Sports Radio 94 WIP. It's Chickies and Pete's. We're Chickies and Pete's in South Philly. It is the Chickies and Pete's Players Lounge. Come on now. We got Monday Night Football coming up next. Well... For business purposes, make sure you stay tuned in here to 94 WIP where you can hear it on this station. Sorry, Arizona's a fun you got Arizona yeah. taking on uh, the New England Patriots. Um, we will be making our second trip to Arizona in February. Yes, sir. And um, hopefully the, the team will be accompanying us. Well, I remember in 2017, yeah. uh, I didn't work for the station yet. I was still at NJ.com. I saw you guys on Radio, Radio Row every day. Yeah. And, man, I can't wait to do it for WIP. Like, the whole experience is just going to be – it'll be dope for everybody, but WIP in Arizona for the Super Bowl is going to be absolutely insane. Okay, so let me tell you, like, I I had moments there, right? You know, the athletes, even though I still have sort of a man crush on Dan Marino and he takes me back to my childhood whenever I see him, and I saw him there, you know – I did. I did the whole. I did that again. I did. I won't lie. I did that again. I mean, Dan Marino. I think it creeps him out whenever he's because I I I know he must. You know, he's like, okay, you again. At this point, he's like, yeah, you've seen me a few times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but the one person that I was excited to meet, but I didn't really meet him. He kind of gave me the cold shoulder and said, gave me the. Gave me, you know, we need to get finger. Like I'll be back. Let me yeah, give you the yeah, one yeah. finger. Like I'll get, I'll be back. Buster Rhymes. Wow, man. You know, Buster was doing the radio role. He was going to different spots, and I'm like, hold on, Buster. What's up, <laughs> Buster, Buster? I'm like, man. Man, the food court at Mall of America too. You know, it's not <laughs> not, not a place you expect to run into. Uh, exactly. It was a lot, lot of time that week spent at the uh, the food court there it in really Minnesota. Was, yeah. so you figure when you went to the Super Bowl it was Jacksonville, which at least it's warm, right? And then Minnesota. Except it rained all week. Rained all week in Jacksonville. Yeah. Arizona, 
That should be pretty nice. You almost couldn't ask for better weather. You I know agree. it's not going to be raining. It's going to be sunny. Yeah. You know, so it's just a matter of who they play, I guess. I agree. Just killing time till the Super Bowl. Okay, let's get Oz up here before we uh, get back to chatting ourselves, uh, ESP. Let's get Oz in here. He wants to talk a little Eagles. Uh, he thinks, I guess, they may be playing Cincy in the Super Bowl. What's up, Oz? Hey, what's up? How you doing, Ike? Uh, love work. talking to you guys. What's up, ESP? What up, man? How you doing? So, real quick question first before I get into the Bengals point. Um, when's Goddard due back? This week. Okay, I haven't heard anything. I knew, obviously, Avante was back. Yeah, uh, yeah he's, I'm he's a 99% go. sure. I'm 99% sure it's this week. I, I'm almost positive he's eligible to come off. And my understanding is once he's el- eligible, he, he'll be ready to he's go. He's good to go. So okay. my, they'll probably open the practice window for him this week, and my guess is activate him on either Friday or Saturday. Awesome. So just going back, like, no one scares me, especially on the NFC side. But when I, I you know, I'm kind of a nerd, so I watch a lot of the games. Mm-hmm. Um, Burrow scares me more than anybody because I see him – as a almost like a Jalen Hurts in the fact that he runs forward after his dropback almost immediately, and he just looks like he'd be tougher to defend. And Mahomes will keep the play going, but he also will back up and back up and back up, and then mm-hmm. make some crazy throws. Yep, um, and some really really good ones. But Burrow scares me more than Allen and um, Mahomes. I was wondering what your thoughts are. Like I've seen that guy; he's just so quick once he decides to go forward. Oz, I completely agree with you. I, I look at the three teams over there in that AFC, and I don't want to. I don't want to leave out Baltimore because they're going to make the playoffs as well. Mm-hmm. I just, Lamar. I just. They're not going to be in. Yeah, Bowl. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, at least I don't think so. Yeah. Um, Joe Burrow, because of the weapons that he has at his disposal. Think about it. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, T. Higgins. and Tyler Boyd. Yeah. It's like, one, of the few, the, one of the few trios that can yeah. compete with the Eagles. And you throw the two running backs in there, too, in yeah. P-Ron, Joe Mixon. So I'm, I'm with you, Oz. That, that would be a team that, that would concern me of the three. I know Pat Mahomes is great. I'm just not afraid of Pat Mahomes' weapons. Only Travis Kelsey. The, the That's o- the only one yeah. I'm afraid of. I, I will say with, with, with Cincinnati, their offensive line is not great. Which, 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 which will definitely benefit negates us. a lot of the yes. weapons. Burrow yep. can move. He certainly is not as mobile as a, like a, you know a Josh Allen or mm-hmm. those type of guys. So I would like the matchup. The only thing with Burrow too is, and it's ironic to say because Mahomes has a Super Bowl, but there's just something about Burrow, man. He wins games. He's got a bit yeah. of the, a, a little bit of the Jalen thing, that, that it factor. So and they have Super Bowl experience too. Yeah, I mean, listen, yeah, they were just there last year, and it seems like they're getting hot right now. Um, Thank God they're in the AFC. Yes. <laughs> That's all I can say. They got to play each other. They got to fight away. They got to beat each other yeah, up. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We only have to face one of them. They have to beat each other up over there. I mean, in the Eagles' path to the Super Bowl, I don't want to call it easy because it's not easy to get to the Super okay. Bowl. Well, what did you think about Brock Purdy yesterday? He looked good, man. Did he? He I'm looked like, good. I was, I was shocked, man. He I'm can like, move what a little the bit. Hell? And also, it looked like, at least from what I read today, uh, he spread the ball around a lot more. Uh, parts of the field, deeper, intermediate. That oh, yeah, watching some of those so throws, it looks like for he, sure. He spread yeah. it around. And the thing about Brock Purdy, I'll say, is there is an unknown to him that at least now, and, you know, the more he plays, that'll go away. Mm-hmm. But with Jimmy G, you knew you yeah. had years of tape on what yeah. they do with him, right? So now they lost Debo. You know, I, you know it could be four to six weeks. So right. I think he'll play in the playoffs, but that's right up against it in yep. terms of when they would come to Philly. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, Brock Purdy, the scary part is it's an unknown – and they have a defense. A damn defense, the man. The defense, you know, the Eagles 
offense is probably the best unit in the in the conference. But man, the Niners have a really strong case for their defense to be the best unit in this conference. Yeah, they they uh, made the goat look pretty bad yesterday. Tom yeah. Brady, um, he just looks old to me. Uh, I'm I'm not even sure they're going to hold on and win the NFC South. They may just because the other teams aren't good enough. But if Carolina or Atlanta catches fire, I, I, I could see Tampa struggling to win that division coming down the stretch. What did you think of the Cowboys yesterday? They struggled against Houston, but they yeah, got the win. They got the win. I mean, to me, I view it a lot like the Eagles win over the Colts. I said the same thing. I mean, the, the Texans the are not thing. as good as the Colts, but I think if the Eagles win that game yesterday, first of all, I'm sure I'm up here talking about the passing game. But regardless, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, they had a 98-yard drive when they needed it to win it. And I think Honestly, for a quarterback in Dak that does not have a ton of those moments on his resume, maybe it's somewhat encouraging that when they really needed to have it, they got it. Yeah. The, the thing about the NFC and the Cowboys in particular is no team scares me in the way that I think if the Eagles played the Cowboys 10 times, they'd beat them eight. If they played the Niners 10 times, they'd beat them seven or eight times. They'd probably beat the Vikings 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, they gave that one up to Detroit yesterday. What, what, what scares me is that despite being 12-1, and one, if they slip up, you know, against Chicago, or they slip up against the Saints. That Dallas game is so huge, and the difference between being one and five in the seeding is so huge. I'm more afraid of this team slipping up before the playoffs and making their path, path harder than I am of them actually getting beat in the playoffs. Because I don't think anyone's coming to Philadelphia right. and beating this team. It, right. it's, it's making it harder on themselves that I'm worried about. Well, they're on the road again this week, Elliot, in the Windy City Chicago, thank God it's a 1 o'clock game and not a damn 4 o'clock game because they'll Amen, be freezing man. out there. 12 o'clock out there, too. Lake so I'll, Michigan. You know, I'll be done um, by 4. Yeah you'll be, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll be out there. Yeah. Um, what do you think about this game coming up? I mean, Justin Fields, I think you and I are, are fans of Justin oh, yeah. Fields from afar and, and like the fact that he's starting to show some development and that potential he had coming down the draft. But it's really all they have is Justin Fields. He can't throw the ball to himself, so – you know, what, how, does, how does Chicago win this game, and what, what do you think the Eagles need to do to avoid some sort of letdown? Yeah, I mean, the scary thing about Justin Fields is you can play great defense for the majority of the game, and he can beat you on two or three plays, and the next thing you know, they got 21 points on the board, whether it's a long touchdown run or, or, or a long run that puts them in touchdown range. So I think the key will be discipline against him. The key will be making sure you don't let him obviously get out into space because he can be really dangerous. But also on the Eagles offensive side of the ball, it'll be beating up on a really bad Chicago defense, putting up enough points where Justin Fields can make his two or three plays and it doesn't matter. Um, I mean, that's really it. It's taking him seriously. It's being worried about Justin Fields. But yet again, taking Eagles, care of football, taking care out of football. there in Chicago. Have you checked the weather yet? What is, like, what is it supposed to be? I'm sure it's going to be cold. Don't worry. Right. I'll, I'll be I'll be packing. My Before there be any uh, precipitation, like rain, I don't know. snow. I haven't, I, I haven't checked. Yeah, I worry yeah. about that more than anything. Yeah. I mean, Ball it, security. Th those are the things against a bad team that, yeah. that are the great the great equalizer. But this is yet another week where the Eagles will go into a game far more talented, far better. And it's a professional game where I think they'll go in and they'll handle business. I'm with you there. So we both feel like the Eagles will be 13-1 and one when we come back here next Monday. Thank you, my brother. Hopefully we'll have a yes, player sir. next Monday that we can sit here between us. But if not, so, Elliot yeah, and I will get it. you through the yeah. hour. That was like a hot night through butter. Shout Boom. out to Taz, Breitmar, and uh, – Dan Wilson, <laughs> <laughs> Tucker Bagley back in the studio. Monday Night Football is up next.